0: How did the wealthiest country in the world get to a point where it can't support the health and long-term care needs of more than 54 million older adults? Welcome to A Question of Care, a podcast that explores the many answers to this question through different viewpoints and topics. I'm your host, Robert Espinoza, a national expert and frequent speaker on aging, long-term care and the workforce. On today's episode, we'll be exploring the vital role of home care workers for millions of older adults and people with disabilities. Why is this essential workforce so undervalued? And why do so many older adults find themselves asking, why can't I find a home care worker? Here to guide us through the topic is Dr. Madeline Sterling, a doctor and researcher who has published several articles on home care.
1: My name is Dr. Madeline Sterling. I'm an assistant professor of medicine at Weill Cornell Medicine in New York City.
0: For Dr. Sterling, going into the medical field was something that came to her naturally, driven by a passion to care for patients.
1: I always wanted to be a primary care doctor. I love taking care of people sort of over the continuum of their life, really getting to know them, helping them through ups and downs and really managing chronic conditions through sort of all the way from the age of 18 upwards to a hundred and, you know, also getting to know their families. It's, It's really a privilege. I love that I can have impact at multiple levels. I love that I can care for someone on a Monday morning and work on their diabetes and help them, you know, get that sugar down. And then I love in the afternoon, I can, you know, do some really novel research, whether it's on home health or on the social determinants of health or in cardiovascular disease and have impact that way.
0: Much of Dr. Sterling's published research has focused on home care workers who are vital to millions of families. Unfortunately, it seems that a news story is published almost every day about home care agencies or individuals struggling to find home care workers. Before we ask Dr. Sterling for her thoughts on this trend, let's lay out a few points. By definition, home care workers assist older adults and people with disabilities in their private homes with daily tasks such as dressing, bathing, and eating. Personal care aides may also help clients with meal preparation, housekeeping tasks, errands, and more. In contrast, home health aides perform specific clinical tasks, such as wound care and blood pressure readings, under the supervision of a licensed professional. In 2021, the home care workforce was made up of 2.6 million workers, according to PHI, a national group focused on this workforce, and, for full disclosure, my employer. When you include other direct care workers, such as residential care aides and nursing assistants, this direct care workforce is larger than any other occupation in the country. Why is that? Because the number of Americans who need care, largely people aged 65 and older, is ballooning, and because people are living longer. Care is also more complex and diverse than before, which creates more need for skilled direct care workers. I asked Dr. Sterling, even though the data shows that the home care workforce surges annually, why do so many people find themselves confronted with the question, why can't I find a home care worker?
1: I think there's a couple of things. I think, as you know, we have a national shortage problem right now. I think this has always been a really tough job. And so I think having enough workers and retaining the ones that are in the jobs are really hard. So I think there's a supply problem and a retention problem. I think from the patient and family point of view, I think it's a real struggle to find a home care worker because no one's explaining how to navigate home care. I think patients and families, unfortunately, don't think about home care early enough. I think, you know, oftentimes physicians themselves do not know How to help people with the process, or or they are not even sure of what people qualify for and what the needs are. I see this all the time in practice, where a patient's doing okay, and then you know all of a sudden they get sick and a crisis ensues, and that's when they start thinking about a home care worker. and And by that point, then it really becomes a scramble. And unlike in the hospital system or other places of care, where you have somebody walking you through how to obtain services or get them in the home, I think. Home health, for a variety of reasons, is, is sort of separate, unfortunately. And I think the average patient and family just doesn't have the resources they need to kind of get through the system and then obtain the home care worker. And, and so I think it's a couple of levels. I think there's the shortage issue with the workforce. And then on the sort of medical side of it and the patient family side, a lack of understanding and a lack of resources and infrastructure to get the worker that would be a good fit or what they need in the home at the right time.
0: It seems that people often misunderstand these workers. Dr. Sterling, what does a home care worker do and who makes up this workforce?
1: Sure. So I like to say that they do it all. Home care workers are trained and certified healthcare professionals. I think one piece of confusion is that the name actually differs depending on the payment structure the state you're in and so i think you know there is a bit of confusion in that sense but all of them regardless of whether you're a home health aide personal care aide attendant you know they're providing sort of hands on day in day out care assistance with activities of daily living bathing dressing getting up and about meal preparation all the way to actually you know aspects of medical care we've shown through our research that you know, I think there's this public perception that they perform sort of low-skilled care. And actually, when we've surveyed households across New York State and the country, we found that majority of families say workers are doing way more than personal care. They're actually helping with a lot of medical tasks. And so I think absolutely there's a lack of awareness of what they do. But Bottom line is workers are in the home, not just doing personal care, but helping with a lot of aspects of medical care, and and I think providing a lot of value.
0: As Dr. Sterling described, home care workers are vital to the lives of their clients, often fulfilling a wide range of physical, social and emotional needs. For example, they might be helping people move safely throughout their days, offering emotional support, problem solving with family members, or managing complex conditions such as Alzheimer's or heart disease. Despite the popular misconception that this work is low-skilled, it takes significant training for home care workers to acquire the right skills and knowledge. However, training is grossly inadequate for these workers. While home health aides must undergo at least 75 hours of training based on federal law, Personal care aides have no federal training requirements, and states are all over the place when it comes to training standards for these workers.
1: There's one home care worker who really, I think in my practice has shown me sort of the value of the workforce. Her name is Marie, and she's been the longtime home health aide of one of my patients who has a variety of chronic conditions, cardiovascular, osteoarthritis. She's had spine surgery. And this worker is simply amazing. She comes to every visit with my patient and they do the visit together with me. She brings a notepad and really conveys all of the things that happened during the week that I need to know about. What was my patient's appetite not great? You know, what were the side effects of that medication we started a week ago? What's been going on in terms of her other doctor visits? Oftentimes it's these little insights. You know, a few weeks ago she told me that my patient's balance all of a sudden wasn't great. And actually that that was really, really helpful. We then did a neurologic exam in the clinic. We tried to figure out what was going on, and we then referred her for testing. And I wouldn't have necessarily picked up on that. Again, I'm not the one in the home all day. And so I would say, you know, if it weren't for this home care worker, you know, I wouldn't have the complete picture. And so I think. I have so many patients where that's the case. And I, I really think this is a prime example of when the patient allows, it's really a wonderful thing just to include the worker if that's feasible and actually ask them a question or two. You know, and this can be very simple. I don't think doctors need that much training on this. You know, it's simply a matter of, you know, patient said this today, and then sort of looking over to the home care worker and saying, you know, is there anything else you'd want to add? especially as more and more families and households and and patients are going to be utilizing home care workers to sort of age in place.
0: What advice would you offer other doctors about how to strengthen their relationship between their office and the home care worker?
1: I think there are three key things that physicians can do. I think the first is to be aware that when someone comes to the visit, oftentimes they might not have gotten there alone, right? And so there may be someone in the waiting room, <laughs> whether it's a family member, that spouse, the daughter, whoever it is, the paid home care worker. And that person actually may have a great deal of knowledge and understanding of that patient and could really aid in the visit, really offer some, some new data as to what's going on. And so again, it, you know, always up to the patient, whether that person can be included, but if so, I would really think about incorporating the second piece of, you know, advice is if you are, if you do have another caregiver in the visit, let's say it's a family member or a paid care worker, I think, you know, make sure to ask them questions, ask them, they are, you know, have a tremendous amount of understanding and appreciation of how the care or how the symptoms may be going on in the home. So ask them what they notice, very simple questions. What do you notice? you know what are some things that we should talk about today that that haven't come up already what do you think are you know the patients biggest challenges in managing their health or in getting around and i think just open ended questions like that really set the stage for you know sharing sharing of important information the third piece of advice is to actually empower whoever it is in the home empower them to convey what's going on. If they notice a change, they may be the first person to notice that change. The first person to notice that, that, you know, Mrs. Jones is having chest pain or she's, you know, having more swelling today in her legs. I think empower them to call for help when they need to. That may be calling the home care agency. That may be calling, you know, encouraging the patient to call the doctor, but empowering them to say, you know what? You've been trained to observe and advise And I want you to do that. I want you to be a partner in the care of this person. And I think that goes a long way.
0: Much of your published research examines the home health care workforce in supporting people with heart disease. You found that home care workers increasingly provide care for people living with heart failure at home, either immediately after leaving the hospital or in the long term. Yet your research has also revealed that home care workers often find the topic of heart failure frightening and unpredictable. They offer this support without much training in heart failure, and they can feel poorly supported by other health care professionals, especially when their client's symptoms get worse. What interests you about home care workers and the topic of heart failure?
1: You know, I saw that a lot of adults with cardiovascular disease tend to be older and have a lot of comorbidities. And these are really tough illnesses to manage at home, and so I began to see in my clinical practice that a lot of my patients were, of course, asking their family for help, but often that just didn't seem like enough, and they needed help from paid home care workers. And I have to say, this really got me thinking. You know, I never thought I'd be sort of doing a whole research career in home home health, but I think I saw once we got out there in the field and actually interviewed patients and workers about what it is they're doing you know i thought oh my goodness in all my training in medicine no one mentioned this workforce and my gosh they're doing a lot we saw that they are helping patients get to doctor's appointments remind patients to take medications help prepare low-fat mediterranean style diets you know weigh them you know take blood pressure all of these activities that that we know in medicine are so important to managing those symptoms. And I really thought we have to study this. We have to show sort of what the contributions to care are. And then of course, are there gaps? Are there things where workers are doing, you know, contributing, but but maybe need more training? Or are they providing this care and the system isn't aware of it because we haven't measured it and shown the value. And so that's really where I thought to myself, we really need to do a whole lot of research here. There's a lot to unpack because these workers are, are especially for this, for chronic cardiovascular disease where outcomes are poor. So patients are in and out of the hospital frequently. Quality of life can be really bad. And so, you know, here's a workforce that's sort of waiting in the wings already in the home. I think I really saw, you know, here's an, an untapped opportunity to not only show the value, but but almost prove it scientifically.
0: Has your research revealed anything surprising about the nature of home care jobs?
1: You know, I think you read all the time, and my own work has shown that, that this is a really tough, tough job. The wages are poor, conditions can be really challenging, the hours erratic. And yet I think what surprises me over and over again is workers have this calling for it. You know, workers are passionate about helping people and it's the same passion that what drives many of us into healthcare. And so I think what always surprises me, but then also makes me smile is that despite sort of some really challenging circumstances, you have generally a workforce with with high job satisfaction. And, and much of that, when we go out and ask them about that, they always say, I'm here because I care about this patient or I care about this client. I want them to do well. It's a calling. And I think you know there's so much good here and people need to know about this.
0: Despite the emotional rewards that many home care workers report receiving from their daily work, these workers also face numerous challenges that make it difficult to make ends meet and stay in these jobs. For example, the median wage for these workers in 2021 was about $14 an hour. However, because many of them are relegated to part-time work by their employers or the economy, The median annual income that year was about $19,000. As a result, 43% of these workers live in low-income households, and more than half of them receive some form of public assistance. Home care workers also struggle with inadequate training or advancement opportunities. They lack recognition and respect both by the health sector and society at large. And because this workforce is made up predominantly of women, people of color, and immigrants, they must navigate the widespread bias and discrimination that are too often leveled at those populations. Perhaps one of the answers lies in understanding how doctors and nurses relate to home care workers. Dr. Sterling, you published a study in February 2020 where you examined the workflow of home health care among people who had been discharged home after being in the hospital with heart failure. You found that, quote, the roles of home health aides and agency nurses were unclear to physicians, patients, and family members alike. One physician remarked, quote, I don't have a clear grasp of how the system works. I don't know exactly where the aids are coming from. The whole process is confusing. Why is that? Why do clinicians and so many others misunderstand the roles and responsibilities of home care workers?
1: I think we haven't been trained. So I think first off, I you know, in a typical medical curriculum, unless you're going to do a geriatrics fellowship, the majority of doctors... Are not made aware of all the people that help patients at home. So, I think that's the first thing, and I think that needs to change, right? We have seventy-five percent of older adults want to age in place, and it can't all come at the backs of family caregivers who are already stressed and overwhelmed and have conditions of their own. We need a we need a paid workforce that can help. And so, I think the first step is you know there's a lack of awareness because, you know, they, they haven't been taught about it. I think the second thing that makes it challenging is that the care isn't being delivered in an environment that's, you know, it's separate. It, the home is a separate place of care. I think only recently, actually COVID may have helped with some of this. I think only recently have we seen that there are other models of care that don't happen, you know, that aren't tied to the hospital or the clinic that matter. We saw during COVID that, you know, there have been studies that show if you've got home, home health care, After COVID, you actually did better in terms of a lot of really meaningful outcomes. And and so I think, you know, making the medical system, making the traditional sort of team-based care in the hospital and the clinic aware that there are other providers in the home that have meaningful insights about patients, their observations can be, you know, truly impactful if we just had a way to connect them better.
0: In July 2022, you also co-authored an issue brief for the Center for Home Care Policy and Research at VNS Health in New York, which is the largest not-for-profit home and community-based healthcare organization in the country. This brief examined the catastrophe of the COVID-19 pandemic in relation to the home healthcare workforce and pandemic preparedness. What are the key lessons from this brief and how should they inform the healthcare sector as we prepare for the next pandemic or health crisis?
1: I was so honored to be sort of involved in that work. This was work led by VNS Health. And I think, you know, key lessons were this workforce really went through hell and high water. They were on the front lines day in, day out and often, you know, putting their own health at risk to care for people. And um, often that lack of awareness, that sort of underappreciation, I think that really came through as we saw early in the pandemic, at least here in New York City, there was a huge, huge sort of celebration of all of these various healthcare providers. I mean, we were clapping in pots and pans every night. And, and yet if you go out and talk to workers, they feel that they were out there and, and again, not seen their contributions, not seen or valued. So I think the first thing is the pandemic has taught us, you know, we have a workforce that rolled up their sleeves. This was not a job you could do from home. And, you know, they were essential. And I think in future pandemics, they need to be classified as that and have all the protections that other workers who are essential had. I think the second thing we saw from the policy arena and the work with VNS is that there were a lot of stakeholders that needed to be at the table to make change for the workforce and for home care agencies.
0: How were home care agencies affected?
1: It wasn't just the workers that experienced challenges. I think home care agencies experienced challenges. Again, unlike the healthcare system or the hospital system, where there's a sense of coordinated activities, home care is fragmentation. It's not connected. It's sort of out over there. And so, you know, unfortunately, when a pandemic happens, what we saw was a lack of coordination. There wasn't, it wasn't really clear who was, for example, take supplies, who was going to supply all the supplies and PPE that we needed? Was it the city? Was it the state? Was it the federal government? Were it agencies? We saw workers themselves buying supplies. You know, I I think just even take that one example, and you could really see how a lack of coordination among a variety of stakeholders really led to inefficiencies. And, And I think moving forward, there really needs to be more concerted effort, and also more policies to protect the workforce. I think there were policies, but often it was sort of policies for family caregivers, for essential workers. And then there were always loopholes where not all of the workforce received the protections and pay that they needed. And so, you know, we learned a lot. My hope is we could take the good forward and then learn from, from maybe the not so optimal moving, moving to the, hopefully, hopefully we won't have a future pandemic, but if there is one, you know, maybe take those lessons learned moving forward.
0: If one of your colleagues were to ask you why home care workers are important to the healthcare system, what would you tell them?
1: I would tell them that I see a patient for 20 minutes in a day and the rest of the time they're at home. And, you know, what happens there matters a lot for their health. And so if a patient has a home care worker, I view that as an asset. And maybe we need to be as a system, not only valuing what they do, but really working on ways to to integrate what's happening back to other healthcare care providers like myself. I think that would be really key. And I think where we need to head.
0: If you had the power to change how home care workers are recognized and supported, what would you do?
1: Pay them. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, you know, wages, wages, wages. I think, you know, a lot of, a lot, as I said, you know, they do not do low-skilled work. These are really hard jobs, and they need to be fairly compensated. As a society, I think we need to do that. So any policies that can strengthen the workforce, recognize what they do, build in ways to actually increase minimum wage policy protections, hazard pay for the next pandemic, benefits, health insurance, all these things that allow the, allow workers to do their job and do it well. I think that would not only benefit the workforce, but it would actually improve the quality of care delivered and ultimately patient outcomes.
0: When I describe the plight of home care workers to my friends or to audiences in different parts of the country, the most common question I get is why are these valuable jobs for home care workers so inadequate? I respond first with the most evident reasons. These jobs are either invisible to most people or they are wrongly understood as low-skilled. Then I tell them that employers vary on how they support these workers. Some know what to do, but they don't have the resources, while others feel lost when it comes to effectively recruiting and retaining workers. Overall, the sector needs more transparency in how public funds are spent without overburdening employers with paperwork. And I explain how our country's public financing system for long-term care, which is Medicaid, is financially strained and politically attacked which prevents many employers from doing right by these workers. But the core of this problem, as with so many other issues today, rests within the confines of history and can largely be explained through the lens of injustice. The truth is that direct care jobs are inadequate because the people who make up most of this workforce, women, people of color, and immigrants, are the same ones who have always borne the brunt of history's greatest inequities. For example, women, specifically women of color, have been portrayed in the sexist policy imagination as innately inclined toward caregiving. Thus, this work is seen as a labor of love and not a real job, which is a gross misconception. Another factor is systemic racism, which has relegated people of color to low-wage sectors like direct care that routinely exploit their physical labor and then deny them a fruitful existence. And immigrants, specifically those of color, increasingly sustain this job sector and our national economy, yet they are routinely stripped of their rights and humanity in a country that sees them either as threats or as physical bodies to fill jobs that, quote, no one else wants, end quote, as if anyone deserves a lousy job. The other reason these workers remain undervalued Is that the people they support older adults and people with disabilities have long been neglected in the public and political narratives i can't help but relive the shock and the rage of the first few months of the covid 19 pandemic which was ravaging nursing homes and specifically targeting older people people with disabilities and people with severe health conditions yet all these groups were generally left out of mainstream telethons it's just one example The ultimate injustice is that the same people who routinely sacrifice their livelihood for our country willingly or not are then virtually ignored by the government and the public alike. We clap for them from our homes, but we don't take that applause to state and federal lawmakers to demand a real transformation. Perhaps these jobs won't ever be transformed until more of us face the personal consequences of not being able to find a home care worker. What will you be forced to do? Who will you turn to? And will it be too late? Thank you to my guest, Dr. Madeline Sterling and to you, our listeners. If you enjoyed this episode of A Question of Care, please share it on your social channels and stay tuned for future episodes. This podcast was produced by me, Robert Espinoza in partnership with Modri Media. Please make sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening.